0: Well, as I, uh, as I said, today is special because um, it's the first day of the new year. That's always a good occasion to um, look into the new year and what's ahead. Um, it's a special one for other reasons that I'll elaborate on today. But for that reason, um, I've, I've planned a different message called the Once and Future Church. The Once and Future Church. And so uh, next week... So that, you know, I'll start a new sermon series um, on the book of 1 Timothy. We'll go through First and Second Timothy together at the start of the year. So if you're visiting uh, and you're interested in hearing a real sermon, you can come back next week. Again, I'm not promising, I'm not promising that it's real good. It just, but it, it'll be a real, uh, a real sermon. Um, but the reason why this is especially timely as we, as we take our first step into 2020 um, is that, if I need to turn this on so that it'll uh, advance, um, as a once and future church, um, 2020 marks 100 years of ministry at Myrtle Grove. Yeah, it is a, I mean, that is highly praiseworthy. It's a double Jubilee year we would say, 250s, double jubilee. Um, So, and I think I referenced this sometime back um, last year, and some of you that have been around knew this, but in 1920, um, a deacon from First Presbyterian Church downtown started a Sunday school mission out here in the Myrtle Grove area, which was out there back in 1920, you know. Started meeting uh, twice a month. There was a service led by one of the assistant pastors at First Presbyterian um, every other week for a period of time. Chapel was built right down the road here, The little white church, used to house Myrtle Grove until uh, I believe in 1981 was when the move was, maybe 1980, I don't remember exactly that date. But anyway, chapel built in 1927. And then in 1945, that little mission, Sunday school mission, was constituted as a church. And so I believe that makes it the 75th anniversary of our establishment as a church. This is a big year, 2020. We ought to just celebrate all year. It's we, you know, you don't need two excuses to have parties, right? That's, uh, but, but we got two of them. 100 years of ministry, 75th years of established church. But it's a reminder also... Um, that we have 2,000 years of church history that we draw from, that we are part of. See, anytime you're reminded of your little local church story, it's a reminder that the local church is a part of a bigger story that's been unfolding for 2,000 years. Because that church that started this ministry out here itself started as a little gathering of believers back in 1760 before that became a church in 1785. And you could hop back across the pond when those Scots, Irish, and Highland Scots uh, descended from uh, their homeland there, of the reformed faith that had been brought there 200 years prior to that, you see what I mean? You can keep hopping back in history and be reminded of the heritage, the story that is our story. And so, we're a once and future church in that respect. It's a big year for us to be thinking in those terms. But also, um, as a once and future church, the assumption is uh, that we, we want a future. Because it's possible to be a once upon a time church, right? Have you known some of those? Uh, once upon a time, things were really good, and then we died. You know, that's the story of a lot of churches. But the assumption is we want there to be a future sure that it's not just about what has happened, what God has done, but what he will do in the future. And so the, really the thrust of what I wanted to communicate today is as we look into 2020, we need to have our hearts set on building for the future. Building the future church while drawing from the past, rather than go, trying to rebuild the past, you understand. Now, this is not new. We've been, we've been sort of talking around some of these themes. That's that's really not um, big news. Part of the reason, again, it's it's it deserves such focus right now, is because this is a double jubilee year for us. But that's really the purpose for my even seizing the moment here today. Is for us to step our. First step into two thousand and twenty with our hearts set upon building the future church. That we move things out of the way that would that would obstruct us from that, and and run toward what God says before us. Um, and so, what, what shall we say about the um, the future in general? Um, by the way, I originally had. Uh, set this up to advance one bullet point at a time, but you're just going to get it. Like there'll be no like big reveals, everything. Every time I advance the slide, you'll just get the whole thing. Um, But so here's the bad news first. And again, it's really not even news for those who are part of the church and just attentive to what's going on. Just regarding the future in general of the church, the future that the church faces, the future that the church will minister in. Uh, one is where we see an American church in decline. And you can use Google it yourself. Any, anything you read basically shows not only the church, but really religious affiliation at all um, is, is in decline. Now, some of the, the good news of that is uh, that's been less true of evangelicals, um, generally speaking. That, that the percentage of people identifying as born again or evangelical has really held flat while others have declined. But there, but there's there's again you you don't even have to read surveys to know to some extent that's true, right? You just know um, there's a growing prevalence of secular mindsets and a decline um, of re- religion and uh, of the church's influence and. And more, the significant point, I guess, to draw from that, there's a lot that I could say, by the way, I could stand here and talk for two hours on all of this subject um, on, on at length on any of these slides, and I'm going to try really hard not to, and you're appreciative of that, I know. But um, in our lifetime, th- this is, apart from an outpouring of the Spirit of God, uh, apart from an awakening that probably exceeds the first or second great awakening, apart from that, in our lifetime, uh, the future will not be like the past. Okay, the, the, the future that the church enters into, the the world that the church ministers to is not going to be like the past. And, and, um, and, and it'll happen, it, it has, has happened gradually, and, and, and maybe um, some of the real uh, conclusions from that, we won't even live to see, um, because a lot of times change is slower to come than we, than we think it's gonna be. Um, but part of what that, I think that means is, as the, as the church in the West moves into more of a disfavored status, a, a, a position not of cultural dominance, not, not being a cultural minor, a majority, but a cultural minority. So our relationship to public life changes inherently. You tracking with me on that? Now, I'm, I'm not wishing that, by the way. Um, I just reading the trend lines. And and that suggests to us that we actually have to look, if we want to look to the church of the past for any sort of model about how do you you interact as a church? How do you relate to the non-Christian world in a context where you are disfavored and a cultural minority? We have to go back to the first 280 years of church history. Way, Way, way back because since, uh, since 313, this is specific year, where favored status was just sort of uh, endowed upon the church. I mean, we've lived in that way ever since then. And so really my point there is not to fog your head with, uh, with history facts like that, it is to say the future is not gonna be like the past. We can't, we can't think as a church in terms of, oh, you know, when so-and-so was the pastor, here's how we did it. I mean, you gotta I mean, got go way back before so-and-so. Way back to, to even begin to get your mind in the right categories of knowing, how do we, how do we posture ourselves as the church uh, to love Preach to, minister to, a culture that may in some cases despise us. And like I said, that may be, that may be a ways off before it's there, but it's just to say we, we have to think about the future of the church differently in terms of what we're even stepping into. Okay. Now, that that's the, the good news is God's not surprised by any of that. He's not dismayed by any of that. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't even have to snap a finger to to turn it all around and he he saves people and whole nations he'll he'll sweep across whole nations in spite of uh, human conditions and that kind of thing that's not daunting but it is reality it is reality and so the way again the way you think and plan for the future you need to have uh, an honest uh, sort of depiction of what the future is likely um, to look like. And so what, what will we do in light of that? I mean, a, as, a, as a church. So here's, here's the good news. Again, um, there aren't um, just magic wands to wave. There's no secret sauce. For, for how does the church serve itself up and remedy all of that, there's, there's none of that. It is be obedient to doing what Jesus told the church to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, expecting he will be faithful to do what he's promised to do. And so that includes um, things like we'll focus on planning worship services that, that are filled with truth and passion. That's, that's been our aim um, all along. But, but the, the, the point is, we want to, we'll we continue to tweak and adapt or whatever, but that our public worship um, is, is the, what we say is true, what we sing is true, what we pray and preach is true, but that it's also passionate, that it stirs something inside of us, that we invite the Holy Spirit to meet us in it, And to work um, in our midst. Uh, Secondly, we'll be focused on getting people connected in community groups. Lots of people have have been involved with uh, small groups or um, more recently missional communities. Um, Lots of people are not. And so we we've sort of set it out there, but we're gonna be vigilant coming soon to a theater near you. Uh, We'll be vigilant about trying to get people connected. Uh, in in some group setting where you're where you're uh, growing in faith, you know, personally, eyeball to eyeball with other people. Um, another emphasis or sort of introduction. I, again, this is one I alluded to sometime back, but, th- but this year will be uh, trying to cultivate one-on-one disciple making. That we Again, we think about going back to the very basics of what Jesus said to do. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you or teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So person to person, a mature believer, teaching maybe a new believer, maybe a not yet believer even, discipling them to faith and then growing them in the faith. What does it mean to trust Jesus? And what does it mean to obey him? What does it look like to follow him? What does it mean? What does it look like to have a life that's really consecrated unto him? Do so we, we wanna have people doing that on a one-on-one or one-on-two or three level. Uh, there's nothing real highly programatized about that at all. Does it strike you that way? That's real basic people sitting down over coffee, opening the Bible and saying, what does the Word of God say and what shall we do in response to that? Uh, but that's something we want to cultivate. And here's the challenge. Um, none of us who my age or older, for sure, m- most of us were not discipled that way. We weren't discipled in that kind of setting. We, we If we were discipled at all, it's in big group settings um, in churches and that sort of thing. And so uh, that'll be something a little different. But, um, but then the fourth one would be just encouraging personal rhythms of spiritual life. When I say um, personal rhythms, I'm, I'm really talking about routines and habits. I'll come back to this in just a minute when I talk about what can you do. But those, those habits of meeting with Jesus daily, personally, in prayer and Bible study. Uh, Rhythms um, of being involved in community with other people. Rhythms of maybe getting in places in life where you're meeting people you haven't met before so that there's opportunity for God to use you in somebody else's life. Rhythms of meeting together weekly and so forth. Just, we're going to, Encourage that again with a, a little bit more uh, thoughtfully and 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 vigilantly, deliberately in that way. And uh, this is a little bit hard to see, even from where I'm standing. Probably is to you as well, but I think it, it makes the point that all of that is intended, in part, to to push some of the life the the life of the church, the life of the of of the Christian off of Sunday morning and into ordinary life. That's what I've tried to depict here. And this is kind of a model for missional communities as well. But in other words, Sunday morning was not intended to be the place where the whole weight of Christian experience stands on one point. That we just come to this place uh, once a week and that we've prepared all that you need to be fueled spiritually until next week. It was never intended to be that, and so, uh, and and it, and the church for a long time didn't function like that either. Julie mentioned looking back at the book of Acts, the early chapters of the book of Acts. You see, they were going up to the temple, and daily, from house to house, meeting together. They were real connected. But it was, it was a daily life of the believers and even daily life together as a community. So, so the, part of the vision then um, is you're is your, is your pushing some of the pressure off of just the whole idea of Sunday morning experience being the start and end of what you need to thrive spiritually, it is not never has been and can't be. And so we want to then encourage people to be connected in groups. Um, I've I've sort of just illustrated one-on-ones and one-on-twos outside of group settings even, where there's disciple-making happening. And whatever all of that activity looks like, where people are connected, their faith is being formed by those connections and those habits, then those people joyfully gather together on Sunday. So rather than being a a gathered church that occasionally scatters, we think of ourselves as a scattered church that gathers. That we're believers Monday all the way through Saturday and that we're being formed spiritually by something. We're either being formed on purpose or by accident. We're either being formed um, in the likeness of Christ or in the likeness of the world in some way, but we are being formed. So re- really part of this, like I said, even though it's, it's just basic stuff, um, it's about encouraging those habits, rhythms, um, and connections that'll form us more and more in the likeness of Jesus. And then, what can you do? Because this is always what you're interested in. Okay, uh, thanks for the info. Uh, what do you want me to do with that? So here's a here's a short list, and there's more. There could be more uh, added to the list. But but number one, you can pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. Really, not even specifically at Myrtle Grove, but all over the country, all over the world. I mean that. As I said earlier, if if there's not an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's not an awakening of proportions probably greater than the first and second great awakening, then then the trend will will continue toward decline. But God doesn't operate according to those trends. (laughs) He's He's not subject to them. So we pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. Um, number two, I would just say row in the same direction. I'm mixing my metaphors here a little bit. Um, but we want everybody to grab hold of an oar and row, okay? We know that no matter what you do as a church, everybody can't necessarily, I mean, there really are some people who just physically Um, and for other reasons can't do all that you're endeavoring to do as a church. You know, their heart exceeds their sort of physical capacity. You understand what I'm saying? And so maybe they can't grab hold of an oar. I would just say, if you grab an oar, row in the same direction. You know, put your oar in the water, and let's all help one another head in the same direction here. Um, that, That you just embrace the idea, we are... We are opening a lane for the future church to be built, for God to work here, for him to do what he has done in ways that He we haven't seen him do before perhaps, to a magnitude maybe that we haven't seen before. But that we all posture our heart to say, yes, Lord, we want that. We want a future and I'm participating and rowing in the same direction. Um. In some of these ways, I will get more specific even by emails and that kind of thing in weeks to come about how we begin to take action in these regards. But number three is get into a community group. When I say a community group, there may be existing small groups. It may be a missional community. And we're probably looking at forming some new community groups, but you can make the decision to get connected to a group um, and, and build relationship there where there's honesty with people. There is you know, some vulnerability there because that, that is the way the church was designed to be. It's the way the early church functioned. When you read things like bear one another's burdens, when you, when you read things like even confess your sins to one another and you will be healed, You gotta have some one another's first, right? And you gotta gotta get close enough to them to know they can be trusted with you to share a little something with them, right? That they're gonna be helpful to you in response and not hurtful, but get connected. Make that a, a, a decision, a resolve in 2020. And the final one, I said here, make habits, not resolutions. Um, I would love to build this one out a little bit more and don't really have time to do it this morning. If you were to Google that phrase, you'd probably find an article written. Uh, it was actually written last year at New Year's time um, in the Gospel Coalition. But anyway, this this particular guy makes this case for, and he's even written a book about um, just establishing habits that form us spiritually. We are formed by our habits. As I said earlier, we're being formed in the likeness of Jesus or in the likeness of culture. We're being formed on purpose or by accident, by default. But our habits will will either point us to Jesus, connect to him and to his people, or our habits will keep us from him in many cases. They'll keep our hearts fixed on the things of the world. They'll keep our hearts frenzied by the cares of the world. And so, you know, daily habits like prayer, um, having a meal with somebody besides yourself, pausing enough to actually spend time with other people. He, Like I said, this particular guy mentioned some uh, suggestions. That's not really even so much uh, the point or or, uh, the consideration right now, I'll build that out sometime uh, in in weeks to come. But establishing habits that are going to form you daily and weekly. Weekly Sabbath. Weekly fasting. Weekly community meals with other people. Etc. But there, there, there are things that We individually, you will find, um, even in the simple act of scheduling time, as the early church did, as even in the book of Acts, you read the apostles going up to pray at the hour of prayer, the third hour or the sixth hour or the ninth hour, scheduled times of prayer. If If you do something, even approximating that in your life, that there are times when you have set apart to spend with Jesus, and you simply meet him there to be with him. You will find that to become precious informing you in deep ways that are every bit as meaningful as what you get when you gather in a worship service. Make habits not resolutions. Those are some suggestions, and all of that is really, all of that is really basic stuff. Um, but as I said, one of the chief aims of all of that is to move some of the life of the church and, and life even of our own personal Christian experience off of Sunday morning and into every day, into the ordinary where it's intended to be lived out where it's intended to form us and where it's intended to impact other people. Because we do, we do believe, have for ever, that there is a future for our church and a radiant one. We, we will celebrate uh, at times of this year, again, our, our history and our heritage, We will always draw from the long heritage of the church. It's the reason we, the Lord's Prayer is the one Jesus gave us, um, that that the church has prayed ever since then. The creed we recited today dates way back to the early church of what the church believes. We'll always do things like that, that draw from that heritage, from our own heritage as a local church, but all with an eye toward, what's the future we're stepping into? What is God doing? How is God at work right now? How does he want us individually and corporately to participate with him? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the plans you have for us as a body. We thank you, Lord. We celebrate and rejoice in um, the history that we have here as a local church, God, that a hundred years ago, a faithful deacon just obeyed you to go and make disciples. That everything we're doing here today and everything that's been a part of this church's history is a result of that obedience. Lord, that you used that first act of obedience to bring forth all the fruit that has come from this church. We thank you for that, and we we celebrate it. But God, we do want to be a once and future church. So we just pray you'd give us eyes to see that with increasing clarity. Uh, God, that you'd give us hearts to embrace it fully and feet to run hard after it. Because we know that the more and more the church declines, the more and more people reject you, the greater their need for you becomes. And it is a cruel irony, but one that is abundantly obvious. And so God, would you would you stir up our passion to enter into that world with boldness and with expectation that not only are you still at work, but that you're going to use us in that work. Lord, we open our hands before you, praying that as we endeavor to do that, you would put in what you want to put into our hands and take out what you want to take out that the name of Jesus might be exalted in our city. And we ask it in his name. Amen.